From MPB Think Radio, this is Mississippi Education Connection, a show dedicated to providing resources for teachers, parents, and students. Most governments around the world have closed educational institutions in an attempt to contain the spread of the coronavirus. And these closures are impacting over 90% of the world's student population. Today, we will sit down with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman to discuss how COVID-19 has impacted the legislature's plans for education, ways in which they're connecting with educators and students, and what the future may hold for all Mississippians. You can be a part of our show today by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. That is the number. Go ahead and get those calls ready. The lines will be full today. Correct? Absolutely. And the lieutenant governor has worked with us for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, on the promote, promote the vote, you know, and, and encouraging and inter- educating students across the state and classrooms across the state, getting teachers and students engaged in the election process and what it means and how it actually works. And so, but he, he has been a big supporter of MPB in terms of working with us and having a partnership. And we're happy to partner on these. And we ha- he's receiving lots of cool responses from students across the state that are very encouraging. These students are, are very smart. And so we're just happy to have him on today to, yeah. to share because he's very engaged with teachers across right. the state. And that's what he does as the Secretary of State, he did it, and he's continuing to do that today. As Lieutenant Governor, I love yes. that. And um, last week we did read some stories. We're going to read a few later on when we have uh, Lieutenant Governor on the line. Those stories were so, they're so real and so organic. The yes. students say, saying, asking them a question and getting their perspective of how they're dealing with COVID-19 and being at home and being um, quarantined and not being in a brick-and-mortar school building. It's in interesting to see their take on it. You yes, know, the goal for the lieutenant governor was to hear the student voices, have them speak to lawmakers. What would they say to lawmakers if they had an opportunity to come to the Capitol and talk to them? And so it's very in, um, enlightening what they have to say, what mm-hmm. they think. And it is also um, helping them to get their feelings out and to put it on paper. Oh, I can't wait to ask him how that idea came about in mm-hmm. um, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's Probably molding some young politicians as well, you know, getting them um, ready for (laughs) politics. Um, Again, the number to call today, if you'd like to speak with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman or have a question for Tara or I or a great comment about what you're doing in this uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, as a teacher or student. If you want to give us a call again, that's 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Now, of course, as we promised, we bring you cool stories each week and tips of the week from our education department here at MPB. And our uh, cool story this week comes out of Vicksburg. I love this story, Tara. When I saw it on the news, actually earlier this week, I'm like, I have to tell it's a great story. everybody about it. Well, it's called Adopt a High School Senior Program. It came out of Vicksburg when two cousins, Don Stevenson and Tiffany Howard, began to realize their children and their classmates weren't going to have a natural end to their senior year. And again, um, our condolences goes out to all the seniors all across the uh, Mississippi and the country, not just Mississippi, the country. Everybody's dealing with the same thing. So they decided to create a Facebook group page called Adopt a High School Senior. Uh, Vicksburg and Warren County, class of 2020. 
20. So they saw it as a way to help recognize area seniors who were deprived of prom, the traditional graduation walk, and all other festivities normally afforded to a, a typical graduating high school student. Now, the group has quickly grown to over 3,000 members that quick in one week and includes all five area high schools, even young people graduating from homeschooling as well. Now, the members, uh, if you join this group, you have an opportunity to to adopt a young per- person, uh, you can give them gifts. You can give them, you know, nice little things for graduation, and you can become a mentor uh, in the future. You can mentor them in high school, I mean, college, and you can continue. That relationship can build for. A lifetime. A lifetime. Imagine that. 2020, COVID-19 hit, your relationship bonded, and then 20 years later, you're watching that senior grow up and be successful, and you had a part in that. Wonderful. Again, that that website is Adopt a Senior, um, Vicksburg and Warren County Class of 2020 on Facebook. I will post that link on our podcast if you want more information on it. Yeah, speaking of seniors and celebrating them, I spoke last week about something that we are are trying to do uh, or planning to do in education Mm -hmm. and we're going to celebrate our high school seniors this year so in a couple of weeks we're going to have a program it's going to be a digital a virtual prom yearbook pictures and if you if you didn't buy a prom dress or we know they didn't rent tuxedos and hold on to them just get dressed up Mm -hmm. and send us your pictures so follow us on our Facebook page at MPB Education so you can find out when we're going to get started. So you can start picking the dress, picking your makeup, however you want to get all dressed up and what your favorite picture for your yearbook to share with Mississippians. And let us just celebrate Ooh. you and have a good time. So follow us on MPB Education on Facebook and Instagram to find out when the entries can start being submitted. So okay. we're excited about this program. Can um, adults uh, submit? Can I come to the virtual prom? Well, you can come and look at the pictures, Michelle. <laughs> I want to put on my tiara, my dress, and uh, relive my prom days. Well, we're going to let the 2020 high school seniors have this year. You know, some parents out there reliving their high school day. Oh, I remember when, yes. and, you know, telling it. But it was another quick story before we uh, take our first break. Uh, a father, stepfather, actually, and I don't want to say step because mm-hmm. I'm sure he's been in her life for a long time. Mm-hmm. He did the little card mm-hmm. and uh, asked his daughter, to the prom and she just boo-hooed and he danced with her in the living room they had the decorations on the wall the little i think they had the disco ball she dressed up she had her tiara on he had his suit on that is what i'm talking about creativity is it it doesn't have to be a lot but just creating that moment and we talk about we talked about this last week tara it's memories and i've heard a lot of seniors say it's not about just graduation about prom Mm -hmm. it's about the memories that those uh, experiences create right and that memory the memory of not having it will carry on the memory of COVID-19 the pandemic school shut down oh my god those we want to kind of offset the bad memories maybe or the not so good memories with good ones and just give them that experience of going through the dressing up the making the making the best of it of this time because Mm -hmm. the goal is to just continue on Mm -hmm. and 
and to create the good memories and with their families. And we celebrate it with the fr- with friends and other Mississippians across the state. True. And don't forget, guys, if you want to have a little small get together at your house, 10 or more and just be very cautious. Be ten. careful. 10 or less. I said 10 or more. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. 10 or less. But be, be cautious and careful. I know a lot of people, especially right now, want to celebrate their seniors and have parties at their home. I know the um, governor, we're going to talk to him about the relaxing of the uh, state laws in just a few a week, actually. But we want everybody to be careful and still practice social distancing at the utmost because we want you guys to be careful. We're going to take our first break of the show. And when we return, we'll welcome Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. Phone lines are open, so give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection, only on MPB Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. And good morning, Tara, again. Good morning. And uh, today we are talking with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. He's going to talk to us about the legislature's plans for education in Mississippi, talk about broadband, talk about how he's connecting with educators and students around the state, plus more. So let's not prolong any longer. <laughs> let's welcome to the show our guest for today, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. Hey, how are y'all? Good, Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Just down at the Capitol, social distancing. Oh, you are out and about. I was just we were just talking about you throughout the break. I was wondering, are you still at home? I noticed uh, you've been doing. No, we go we go downtown. Uh, we come down to the Capitol because. There's just about two staff members and a guard down here, so <laughs> that's enough social we can distance. take a whole floor to ourselves. <laughs> well, speaking of that, how have you been doing and adapting to all of this? I think I think it's very difficult because we we see the um, uh, we we see the the fact that we're usually finishing. I know y'all were talking a minute ago about people going to the prom. Well, we usually are finishing our budget right now, and schools would have. The numbers on how much is going to be allocated to them to spend, and teachers' salaries would be able to be set, and all, all the things that go with uh, over two billion dollars is allocated to schools by the legislature. Well, uh, we're not going to do that till June now, so it's just uh, it's very difficult to try to manage the money when we don't know how much money there's going to be, mm. and uh, it 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 is it's just like every other business in Mississippi is going through, and every other household. Um, we don't. Our income is cut, and our expenses are the same. So we're, it's it's a very difficult time right now. Wow. Will that have a 
large of or lasting effect on the educational system in Mississippi? Not lasting for mm-hmm. certain, uh, and uh, as to what, if any, uh, as you know, education is my top priority, and the first bill we passed out of the Senate this year was a, as a teacher pay raise, and so we, um, you know, we our goal is not to have any adjustments in what we were doing for education. Uh, what what we'll find out shortly is how much money we have. Certainly, I, uh, there are other things that I'm certainly going to address long before I ever get to education. It'll be the last thing on the table. Hmm. All right. Well, we, as we know, everyone knows, the governor announced um, last week that the schools will remain closed for the remainder of the year. Now, he also stated that it was a very hard decision, one he wished he did not have to make. But many groups of educators around the state uh, wonder why the decision wasn't made sooner. Can you address that? Oh, I don't know about the timing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of discussion, you know, should you have closed the state earlier? Should you have waited longer? There is there is no road map here. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no course, no book on, on how you to do this. We are in a once-in-a-lifetime, hopefully never, uh, an event. And I, I don't think it's I don't think it's healthy for us to go back and second-guess about, you know, oh, we should have done it a day earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the result's the same. Uh, I think the main focus is to stay focused on the fact that everybody's trying to do the best they can, um, and we can we can add up the score next year or the next year when they look back on how everybody handled the pandemic. But I I, I don't see um, I, I think those are small things when we got really big things to worry about, and those big things to worry about is making sure our kids get an education. That we have uh, that our health care system provides health care for people who are who are sick and need health care, and then our people are safe. Those are the priorities that we ought to have. Well, Lieutenant Governor, we know that you engage with teachers throughout the year around the state. And as I mentioned earlier, when Michelle and I were talking, we've worked together with your office, even as Secretary of State and now as Lieutenant Governor, on just some programs that where you engage with teachers. So you're talking with teachers and students all the time. What are they saying to you about this current situation? Well, it's a whole gambit. I, I'm, I'm in class every day. Um, I was in an AP history class. I've been in a math class. I've been in a Spanish class, which I'm glad I didn't have to take the exam on that one. Uh, I have been with two-year-olds yesterday, I mean, uh, second graders yesterday from Oxford. Uh, I was in groups in Scott County, Columbus, Hernando, Wayne County in South Mississippi, uh, Hattiesburg. I mean, we're we're in class with all of these kids, and we watch the teachers teach. And then we we talk to them about what we're doing in the legislature, and then we ask ask questions. I've done dozens of these around the state. Uh, Virtually every day I'm in class two or three times a day. And as part of that, I learn a lot. And I started asking the last few days, how is this going? You know, teachers, if you'd ask a teacher in September and tell them they were going to be teaching all their (laughs) courses online in March, they'd tell you, you couldn't get one person to say you were in a nut, you know. Well, here they are. They're all teaching online. So I've, I had I asked the kids, how do they like this? I thought that was important. And we actually have been taking polling of the children, mm. which is, a, by the way, you need to do that on occasion mm-hmm. because children have a uh, – I've had some experience talking mm-hmm. to them about that, and it's, they say good things. When we did that, it's running about 60 to 70% want to be back in school. Mm. 
Another about 15 or 20 percent want to do some distance learning and some in school. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones want to do uh, 10 percent or so, 10 to 15 percent want to do just distance learning. Mm-hmm. So it, it's overwhelming that kids want to be back in the classroom. And the reasons are, these are not going to surprise you or any of the <laughs> teachers that are listening, but the reasons are, we we like uh, if we have a tro- problem or trouble, our teacher can come to my desk and show me how to work on it. That's mm-hmm. a very common thing I heard. Mm-hmm. And then others is I miss my classmates. Mm-hmm. You know, I miss I miss being in school. I miss the social. I miss Susie. I miss John. You know, whatever. They miss the social interactions, and both of those are important to children as they develop. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to be able to get along with other people and be knowledgeable. So those things are. A result of public education, and it's really a, um, I think without question, the teachers have stepped up and the superintendents and principals to an extent that was unimaginable mm. even 90 days ago. Yes. Uh, but now, when you when we get through with all of this, there will be some spots for distance learning, but it is not going to replace the school building and the, and, the, and the teachers sitting, standing in front of those children. I think there's a lot of students will be happy to hear that. And with that, as as you move for as we move forward in reimagining education and thinking about the fall and school opening, with what you just said in mind, how do, how does that um, look in the fall? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Straight answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going around in August and. Um, I'm hoping to see the band practicing and, uh, and uh, you know, the cheer team working out and the football players working out. And, you know, we want to see everybody back in school, and, and uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, we would not be prudent uh, in talking with superintendents. I've had a number of meetings uh, with them. We would not be prudent not to plan for uh, a recurrence. Uh, of the event. A lesser right. recurrence, maybe, uh, maybe there's all kinds of discussions going on. For example, you may run uh, uh, two schools the same day. You know, somebody come in at 7 to 12, mm-hmm. everybody have lunch, and somebody come in from 1 to 5. Mm. Uh, you know, particularly if they weren't allowing sports, for example, you could do that. And you'd have, uh, you'd basically be te- teaching classes of 10 versus 20 or whatever it happens to be, and social distancing everybody. You could see a whole lot of different things. You could see the school year start earlier, uh, um, where, where, and there's some reason for that. There are, I met with, I think, most every superintendent in the Delta yesterday morning uh, for about an hour. Um, there, I don't, there are probably 20 or 30 superintendents on the phone from everywhere in the Delta. Mm, and they cool. were worried, uh, and it's part of what we do, just speaking with superintendents, you learn a lot. We they were concerned what we they refer to as an education gap, mm-hmm. which means that when I polled them and asked them uh, how many of your kids uh, don't have a computer or access to a computer of, of some sort, well it ranged from thirty to sixty percent. Mm-hmm. So they're giving paper ones out uh, on school bus routes or moms picking them up or dads or whatever, and that's not the same as these Zoom things. Uh, that are going on in a, in a lot of school districts. Um, uh, there's a lot, a lot going on where kids are, you know, are, are looking in and getting getting their their education over the internet. Mm-hmm. We don't have internet pa- capabilities everywhere that we got kids. Right. You know, those aren't matched up yet. Right. 
And some places, when we were talking to the superintendents, they were concerned about uh, they may have a computer in the home, but they got three kids, mm-hmm. so you can't they can't use them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there are a whole lot of issues that uh, I've been work actually working on this morning on some solutions for those. And I had started a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, about uh, expanding the broadband coverage in Mississippi and working with cooperatives who have been authorized to do that as well as others about how we can how we can make the internet more accessible to people and then there's some there are some technology hardware issues people don't have a, a, a book Chromebook or Apple book or anything else or maybe even not even a computer at their home so we're um, we, we have some issues with that. A lot of schools give those away at the first of the year, you know, and they can't pick them back up, mm-hmm. and they pay a little insurance and whatever. But I, some school districts aren't financially viable enough to do that. So that's that is an education gap that is worrisome to the to my Delta superintendents, and they worried about getting tested next year and having a grade maybe that didn't reflect the uh, mm-hmm. hard work they had done during the year because they skipped you know, skip the last two or three months. Right. Well, you know what? You brought up a great subject. Actually, we have a caller on the phone that wanted to touch base on your on the broadband. Let's welcome Mike to the show right now from Pontotoc. Mike, you have a question or comment for Lieutenant Governor? Yes. Good morning, Mr. Hosman. My question is about broadband service through the public utilities. I'm in Pontotoc County, and our public utility, Pontotoc Electric Power Association, just decided not to offer broadband. Um, they priced it quite high. They got a fairly low response rate and then held uh, virtually a private meeting with their board of directors and made a decision that is unfavorable for those of us who'd like to have better Internet service. I know you don't have a magic wand, but I wish there was a way that you or the state could help uh, extend high-speed Internet to the more rural areas like ours where we don't have cable or DSL and the cell service is pretty spotty in itself and satellite internet is certainly not a solution. So that's my comment and uh, I'll get off there and listen to your answer. Thank you, Mike. Um, first of all, um, the individual co-ops were given the authority to go forward just as Mike is talking about there. They have been polling. I think three or four have agreed to go forward. Some, this is the first one I've discovered, that did, decided not to proceed. That's number one. Number two, this is an economic issue for the co-ops and for the people they serve. So they can go forward and build out. They can build it out 10 miles to one house if you want them to. It's just how much money you're going to spend. Uh, it is not feasible, I think, for us to have um, – go to the end of the gravel road and have internet service. We're not there yet from a cost perspective. There may be some other way. Satellite, you mentioned, is not as good and it's not. But but where we can, which would be the communities like Pontotoc, the city and surrounding area, we, we should be doing that. And in my conversations with the co-ops, I have emphasized the first person to get it is the school. Now, we'll be meeting back. They have had a significant loss here in the last three weeks. And uh, I know y'all haven't experienced as much in Pontotoc, but in the Delta and particularly in South Mississippi, our cooperatives have been crippled by the storms of just waves of tornadoes. They are heavily involved in putting back some cases like 12 miles 
of poles have been knocked down. So they're basically redoing their whole grid. So it wasn't a time for us to be talking to them about how we're going to expand when they basically are in survival mode with so many customers, tens of thousands of people out of power. They'll finish that, as they always do. They're quite confident, and they'll finish that. And when they do, I think early this summer we'll be having a discussion. I have asked for where the gaps are, and I've also asked other major suppliers, Comcast and others, where where is their gap in the coverage. Uh, I want to address that. And some of that, there are funds that are coming in the CARES Act to the state, that specifically discuss distance learning as a capability of financing. So we may be able to come closer by assisting individuals in making that uh, making that decision to go forward. We may be able to help them. I don't think we certainly there's not enough money to pay for all of Mississippi to get built out for for high speed internet. But there may be ways to round it closer to where the co-ops can make a business decision that would not be so risky for them. The last part of that, uh, as as we look at uh, the whole broad broadband issue and the other, everybody needs to understand in the community that there is very little future, either business or economic or education, without high-speed internet. That should be a given. So uh, you know, when people say there's very little interest in me getting high-speed internet, I'm not willing to pay thirty-five dollars a month or sixty dollars a month or whatever. What you're doing there is condemning your county or your town to being behind everyone else. You're not going to be able to attract and maintain businesses there. Your kids are not going to get as good an education there. Uh, all those things are happening. The world is moving away from you. And so when, when, when we talk about co-ops getting together and doing this, there is no decision as to whether or not to do it. It's just the economic issue. Because if you if there is a decision in in each case not to provide any broadband even to New Albany and Pontotoc and you know some smaller towns and whatever in Mississippi, then that decision will really handicap them for the future. And um, I see that, and I'm perfectly willing to discuss it, and have been discussing it with our co-ops, and we'll be discussing it again, and we may have a little money to help them. All right. Well, thank you. That was wonderful. Thank you, Mike, for that wonderful question. And thank you, of course, uh, to our guest today, Lieutenant Delbert Hoseman. When we get back from our quick break, we'll continue talking with Lieutenant uh, Governor Delbert Hoseman on issues uh, that are happening around the state with education. And we'll talk about some programs that he has uh, implemented to reach out to educators and students. And then we'll look at the future of Mississippi and how that may look uh, moving forward. If you have a question or comment, Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection, only on MPB Think Radio. This is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft 
and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education with MPB. Today, we've been speaking with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. Now, if you have questions or comments for the show, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Now, Lieutenant um, uh, Governor Hoseman, before the break, you... Uh, told us that you have had in-depth conversations with superintendents all over the state. And yesterday you had a great conversation with superintendents in North Mississippi, in the Delta, actually. And um, given that, uh, we know there's lots of conversation about pass or fail or forgiving or relaxing even accountability guidelines. Uh, Who will graduate and who will not? What are your thoughts on how this school year will end or should end, given... (laughs) that most of the state did not have adequate Internet service? Well, that's being made by the people that should be making it, which is your teachers, principals, and superintendents. They're going mm-hmm. through the process now. What what I hear is that um, every grade that you had going in uh, stays the same, and you have, you're have you given the ability to take additional courses, tests, or information, or write papers, that kind of thing, to improve your grade. But nobody's going to go down. That's that's mainly what I'm hearing. But there's no state law about this, right. and there shouldn't be. Uh, each one of these districts is different with different capabilities and different uh, students and different. I mean, it's everything's different. And each one of them is 139 of them, I think. So in any event, they're they they'll make that decision on a state by state basis. But nobody's talking about penalizing kids. I mean, they're not like like saying. Whatever. Right, I agree. And my last, one of the discussions I had, one of the principals said, look, when we're looking at this, if Johnny's not ready to go forward, we're not going to take him forward. You know, we we, we know enough right now uh, going through March to know that Johnny's not prepared to go to the fifth grade or something. He needs to stay. And so they're they're making those decisions, and uh, and it's best left at a, on an individual basis, I think. Well, Lieutenant Governor, we do know that there will be many seniors that will happily move on. And we also believe that our job market will change and the types of jobs that are available today and needed will be different. And they will look most will look different. So talk a little bit about the change in job market and the types of jobs seniors leaving high school this year should probably be looking forward to pursue. Well, there's there's some discussions about as much as 30 percent. Uh, to 50% of the jobs that are available today will not be here in 2030. Mm. But not one of those discussions ever involves uh, not being computer savvy. Mm. Uh, whether or not you're building a car for Nissan or Toyota, two of our, our, major, our major car manufacturers, if you're building a, a car, uh, you're going to know how to run a computer. Uh, you know, er- everything, it doesn't matter, ships, uh you go to the Delta and you get in one of the combines or something, it's all computerized. And uh, planting is all computerized. And uh, drones are out looking, checking fields. And you just, it's the whole gamut of, of how we do business is becoming faster 
and more intelligence uh, being given to the computer. So your computer sciences and your coding classes, that's a big thing. Uh, people who can code are pretty much guaranteed a job in, in the future, in the future economy of Mississippi, because they can code how a machine makes uh, a, a mask or how a machine makes a car. Uh, I mean, all of that will, will revolve around the computer and the technology standpoint. So I think those are all really good things. You still have to read and write and arithmetic and be able to add and do fractions and projections and that kind of thing. <laughs> You're always going to have to do that. And so I think those are, are very basic. But when you look out in the future uh, of Mississippi, uh, you'll see, like, for example, um, we have a huge truck driving group here. Great companies that run trucks all over. Mm. Uh, they got to have drivers, and those drivers are making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand, some of them ninety thousand dollars a year driving trucks for things, and that's very, very important. Gradually, over the next decade, there'll be driverless trucks, uh, and so those people will then be able need to be able to to program the truck to leave with bananas from Gulfport and go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So you'll see, I think, uh, some basic the skills that are here today will evolve uh, into other skills. Since you've driven a truck, you'll be able to know what the truck's supposed to be doing, so mm-hmm. you can write the computer and send it up there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those I think you'll see uh, when you have your basic education, and particularly your technology parts of your basic education, you'll see some uh, see some real opportunities. The other thing is we have a paucity of, of, of kids and young men and women that are coming forward that have hand skills. Uh, you know, only 25% of our children actually get a uh, baccalaureate degree or a four-year degree, and about another 40% get a, get a degree from a community college. So a lot of our children uh, need to be able to be um, – be able to weld or be able to build a cabinet or be able to uh, pour, uh, build a building or, you know, all the things that you do in the hands part of those, those technical skills that come from HVAC and, you know, all of that, all of those things are going to have tremendous job openings and have them now. I mean, there's not as many people who can put together an HVA system. AC system. So those, so you'll see us in Mississippi, and we were on a tear about that till about two months ago, to have career technical co-located with our schools, mm-hmm. where where somebody, uh, you know, I I can tell you, a welder makes more than a lieutenant governor does. <laughs> I just tell you, and a plumber makes about twice what the lieutenant governor does. So whatever, you know, if you're making an economic decision, I could be a plumber when I would be lieutenant governor. <laughs> they 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 they're very they're needed and they will always be needed. I That's like that correct. point. Uh we actually have two callers on on the phone, um Lieutenant Governor. Let's go first to Bell in Yazoo County. Good morning, Bell. Good morning. Um <clears throat> I have two questions and I'll try to do them as quickly as possible. I'm a retired teacher. And I'm wondering if the State Department of Education has planned in where for returning students, if the teachers will pick up on the fourth nine-week lesson plans. The other is, since we don't have a vaccine yet, and this thing might hit again next winter, um, will they have some kind of uh, provision where if there is another shut-in, if maybe they could come back and uh, 
and do finish the school year out in June because it really doesn't get hot in Mississippi until about mid-June. Thank you. I'll take it off the air. Thank you, Bill. Thank you from all the children that you educated, no doubt, for years and years, and uh, they're all prospering now due to your devotion to teaching. So uh, we appreciate what you did. And uh, we'd we'd love it if you'd come back. We have a teacher shortage. <laughs> so if you could come back to work, that'd be great, too. Um, on the two issues that she raised, um, first, um, there are discussions going on about uh, early uh, opening the school year earlier in order to complete work that may not have been done and to cover this education gap. Now, the Department of Education will make those kinds of decisions, not us. On this year, um, I don't think that there's any motion towards having schools stay open until June. Uh, that was discussed at one point, but everything, um, for example, some of our young men and women go in the Army, and they go in the Army the first week in June. So if you if you waited till took, took June classes, uh, they wouldn't have received their high school diploma, which is a prerequisite to getting in in most instances. So there, there were barriers to us doing that, to, to extending. And I, I, I never heard any serious discussions from any of my superintendents about extending the school year. Now, some of them are going to have graduation in June uh, in the stadiums or wherever, so there may be some school activities, but I didn't see the actual education component being extended. Next year, uh, I think uh, I'm going to be surprised if they're not given some options about the timing of opening the school year and uh, whether or not they can come back to, to to cover some of this education gap. And this is a good time to discuss one other thing, <clears throat> since she's bringing it up. Some schools are going <clears throat> to four nine-week classrooms. <clears throat> now, they go nine weeks, and then they skip six, three weeks, and they go nine weeks and skip three weeks, and they're off for, uh, they have an October break, a Christmas break, uh, kind of a spring break and a summer break. But in there... Um, the schools like Corinth has done this already, and other schools are beginning that process to go, uh, I don't want to call it year-round, I'm just calling it four semesters of nine weeks. Those appear to have been exceptionally successful in Corinth. When I have been there at least three and maybe four times now, I actually looked at their test one time when I was there. They were year-end tests they were giving them. Uh, they use a Cambridge system, which is different, but the, the tests were very sophisticated, and they were exams that were um, not multiple choice, but where you had to write an answer. They, you know, they'd give you two pages to write a response. Uh, like on a history class, it would have been what happened to Italy after uh, they aggregated all of their seven city-states in 1910. What was the result? You know, so it was it was a discussion more than it was, mm -hmm. you know, what year did the war end or something. And so it's been very successful there. The teachers and the students and the community has really bought into that. And I think if you're looking at five or ten years from now, you'll look at other schools that may do that, that may start effectively a year-round. The one question I had about that, um, I had I got 22 teachers in a room up in Corinth and no administrators, and I said, okay, what's wrong with this? You know, where where, where are the problems? Do y'all like this really, or is this something somebody came up with? To a person, they liked it, and they they talked about uh, the ability to educate, and 
they were up front with me about <clears throat> about starting in August, and, and they said, you know, by March or, or April of the year, we're pretty much sick of the kids, and they're pretty much sick of us, <laughs> and we're about worn out, and they're about worn out, mm-hmm. and and we we have found that where we teach nine weeks and have three weeks off, we have uh, we get rejuvenated, and we, we feel we're better teachers. I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Then they said, you know, where our students struggle in a class, and I have several struggle, during that three-week period, I bring them in. And I do my remedial work uh, about the, the specific topic right then as opposed to try to catch up in a summer school like we used to do or something like that. So they thought that the kids had a better chance and that this this intellectual curiosity would last nine weeks and then they, they had a break and then they came back and they started a new class. And they thought the intellectual curiosity and just the momentum of the school was very positive. So I think looking out you'll see more school districts think about that i think there's two or three of them looking at it now or starting parts of it now you you may see that in the future as being part of this now what that does is going back to this question if we have this horrible two or three months off we we basically only skip that one uh, one part of the quarter and one quarter of the uh, and we, can, we can pick back up with that particular quarter in the summer or whatever so it would it would ameliorate the uh, effects of this kind of issue. All right, thank Is you that, for that. I'm, I'm, that's going way deep. I don't know y'all. <laughs> no, no, no. No, we actually have two callers holding. We have Cheryl from Diamond Head and Sharon from Jackson. Do not hang up, ladies. We will get to you right after our last break. Now, if you're just joining us, yes, we are talking with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman. If you want to get your questions in or comment in, phone lines are still open. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. morning. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Rend, Director of Education with MPB. All right. Well, if you're just joining us today, we've been discussing the Mississippi legislature's response to the education amid the coronavirus pandemic with our guest, Today, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. Now, it's not too late to get your question or comment in. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We're going to go back to the phone lines, as promised, and speak with Cheryl from Diamond Head, Mississippi. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. What's your question or comment? Yes, it has to do with rural broadband. I know we've circled away from that, but... um I live in an area that has good support now, but previously was in a geographically nearby area, but it might as well have been in a different time zone. Um, 
and as recently as like 2018, you couldn't get it. You could only get uh, 56k or satellite. Yet walk to a school that had high speed. So my question has to do with why why these disparities exist when like if a phone can receive phone service regular phone service dsl comes over a two-wire phone line i don't understand how the telecom companies can say that they can't support dsl at a minimum to these homes in the 21st century and why the money from the connect america fund doesn't seem to be filling that gap we're subsidizing billions a year to telecoms and it doesn't seem to be having a lot of impact on the rural communities governor hosman would you like to address that well, I think she's in the uh, Mississippi Power, uh, would be servicing her down there. But I'm not sure they serve most of the coast. I think that's where hers would be. And I, I'm not uh, going to try to get into the technical part. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not that good on the technical. I know that when I've seen broadband here that I watched late, late in Jackson, it was by a cable underground. And I know that they have a separate cable from the telephone or electrical service and I know that they have been discussing whether the when they lay cable to rural Mississippi, whether it would be hung on these um, on the telephone poles as other things are, or should you run it underground? The underground is much more expensive. Going through the nor- on, on telephone poles is is not as expensive, but uh, the utilities own the public own those telephone poles, so they can rent the space on them to uh, to somebody that that would want to have the. Uh, would want to have the internet provided. Uh, I don't know about the uh, the DL lines and how those work or don't work. I just know the ones I've seen have all been in, in, basically in a cable form. Oh, all right. Well, thank you for that question, Cheryl. Um, of course, stay tuned to Mississippi uh, Education Connection or um, your news, and let's see what uh, comes out of that. Before we have to go, um, uh, Lieutenant Hosman, let's talk about your Healthy um, at Home K-12 through program and your distance learning with Delbert. Tell us how those programs quickly, uh, what they're about, and uh, maybe share. We have actually, Tara has a great story she wanted to share from one of your students on the uh, Healthy at Home project. Well, this one is from Lyric at Span in Span at, from Span Elementary, and I'll just read a snippet. Lyric says, "If I were a lawmaker, the first thing I would do is set aside an amount of money to care for citizens, so I would be able to buy new spaces for testing for COVID and vaccinations." She goes on to say, "I would ask anyone if they could do a face mask tutorial using cloth, clothes, and T-shirts." And whatever. And then she ends by saying, we don't want to put others at risk and have the virus multiply drastically. So I would beg everyone to survive the current situation because we all need each other. And she put that in bold. Wow. <laughs> and what grade is she in again? And what She's school? Elementary, Span Elementary oh, wow. School. All right. That's one of my favorite schools I read there for uh, when we have reading day. Dr. Zeus and all like that, I always go over and read. Read. I have been doing that for probably 12 or 13 years now. Wow. And I, I've always enjoyed that. They had had a great teacher over there I went to a lot of times. She's moved over to Rankin County now. But, I, um, you know, we we sent those out. Leah did a great job in putting all that together. We sent it out for use because we knew kids would be at home. They'd get bored a little bit on, on the distance learning, and they may want to do something else. And I knew their moms and dads would, would want to have something for them to do. So we sent we sent that out. We got we have gotten great responses from kids just writing 
what you would think is be common sense and uh as they say out of the mouths of babes comes comes <laughs> real real knowledge and i i, I have, we have enjoyed reading those we put we post some of them you know on our we have about 300,000 people that look at our our email list and whatnot from the state and we post a lot of that and it's it's refreshing i think to see the kids that that are really 10 or 12 years old are having that kind of thought process uh, i had a on my on my many classes that I go to, I, I had a couple of questions I thought were very interesting. One was uh, in an AP history course, and they and the and the student asked, "Where did the money go?" Hmm. <laughs> now you think about that. You know, what, what did somebody take all of our parents' money? What happens? And so I explained to them, you know, basically sophomore economics, uh, uh, the turn of money through the economy. Is how the government gets any money. We don't we don't get any tax unless you buy groceries or you buy a car or you know that kind of thing. So that funds us. But everybody holding their money and staying at home and not going to a restaurant or whatever, then those people don't get money and then they don't buy other things. And so it multiplies when you stop an economy like here's the same amount of money, but people aren't spending it. And then the other part of that, we talked a little bit about the government dropping two trillion dollars or however much they've dropped in here uh dropped some more yesterday so about how much money the government has dropped in there another question that came out one of the kids asked me what um in pandemics and all this testing what part of your constitutional rights do you have to give up for to for a pandemic now think about that now this is a 15 year old child or young man or woman asking that kind of question and of course hopefully the answer is none you know but but you know you you really there are thinking out there and our kids are thinking out there and we need to listen to them they're the future all right well you know what the last few minutes of the show thank you again lieutenant governor for joining us today what would you say to our graduating seniors they're all listening to you right now what words of encouragement do you have for our seniors and Mississippians? You know, um, they uh, they deserve a graduation, and I want them to have one. And so I'm encouraging all of the superintendents, and they're working on this kind of thing, to have some kind of graduation. I know y'all were talking about, you know, putting on your dress, <laughs> putting your tuxedo on. I think those are those uh, prom night is a big thing, and, uh, uh, and it, it is important. I don't know that we're going to make that this year. But graduation is the most important part, not the party. It's the fact that you have the knowledge to proceed in life and be competitive for raising a family and taking care of yourself and contributing to your community. So that's the real important here. Uh, I'd like to go at it at the other side, the other way. Uh, I hope and I don't think that any class will ever graduate during a pandemic but this one so you're really special special <laughs> well thank you again for joining us today we've come to the end of another great show of course we want to thank our guest lieutenant governor delbert hoven for joining us today now if you didn't get to hear the show in its entirety and you'd like to hear it again listen to our podcast on your favorite podcast app or download our mpb public media app this has been a production of mpb think radio in conjunction with mpb's educational services department and the mississippi department of education for for Tara Wren, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women up next and join us next week as we take a look at higher education in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB 